coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Finally, you can use your Nintendo 64 controller to make a phone call. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including some details about the upcoming Octopath Traveler 2. And then on Thursday, we're going to be discussing the opening chapters from the Zelda games. But Mark, in the meantime, how's it going? It's going great. Uh, By the time this episode is released, we will be past Halloween. That's right. And so you know what that means. No more ghost talk. (laughs) No more ghost talk. And uh, probably as people are listening to this, the Christmas tree is being erected right. in my home That's right. as we speak. Wait, so you go the day after, uh, day after, I'm sure we've discussed this before. <laughs> well, last year was the first year yeah. that uh, my husband and I got a, like, a Christmas tree. Yeah. And we did, and it wasn't immediately after, like, it wasn't the day after Halloween. Right. But it was the your, weekend after Halloween. Well, so y- your neighborhood does Halloween hard. Yes. Yeah. So, so like, I think there's the, the you have to like ex- exercise the Halloween energy <laughs> after the holiday's gone, <laughs> and so right. like you have to replace it with something, right? Uh huh. And so I think you just got to replace it with Christmas. That's such a good point. And you know, I'm I'm too cheap to hire a priest to exercise the Halloween. That's right. Energy, well, you need so. a young priest and an old priest. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a whole thing. Yeah. Two priests. <laughs> two in priests. This economy. No, thank you. No, thank you. I will hire one nun, and that's it. <laughs> Speaking of hiring one nun, my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch, would you like to borrow it? You can, or at least you can get on the list that uh, entitles you to borrow it. All you got to do is email us at NintendoCartridgeSociety at gmail.com and give us a mailing address where we can send you my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. I pay for postage both ways. That's to you and then back to me. Uh, and you can do whatever you want with it while it's in your possession. Uh, there are no rules. One rule, there may be a copy of Untitled Goose Game in there instead of Sonic Forces. It'll still be a Sonic Forces case. Uh, this isn't to trick you. It's just the shape, the... Uh, I was going to call it a contest. This is not a contest. This is just a borrowing program. <laughs> it's the shape it takes. It's the shape it takes, yeah. and it is a rule, but it's like a fun rule. Y- yeah, yes. It's it's absolutely a fun rule. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of an example of a fun rule, um, like no running at the pool. <laughs> that one just keeps you safe. Well, I, the, I mean, the reason I pointed out is just because, like, look, I know that there are probably some listeners of this show who are rule breakers, mm. uh, bad people. Yeah, you know, bad, bad people. <laughs> well, I was trying to think of, I was like try, bad I was, seeds. Well, no, is no, that no. What <laughs> Hey Patrick, that Halloween talk out of here. Oh no, 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 no Halloween talk. What I was, what I was. Okay, this, this what, this what happened there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was about to say like bad boys. Mm. So then I was like, well, why should that be gendered? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I was like, well, bad people. But that just doesn't have the same ring to it. Where it's like, who do you date? And it's like, oh, I only I, date bad boys. Versus like, I only date bad, bad people. people. <laughs> yeah, it's not as good. Paints what, a different picture. What about bad kids? Oh, bad kids. There you go. That's the all right. So one, we know yeah. that some of our listeners out there are bad kids. You're bad who kids might, <laughs> who might be turned, who might like hear that there's this rule. Oh, I see. And uh, you know, be like, well, then I don't want to participate in the program. No, I don't do rules. Look, the the program is still very punk rock we're still sending a thing through the mail and like you're getting my address which is weird (laughs) i'm getting your address that's weird too and yet perfect it's a perfect program well i'm 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 glad we figured that out here's another thing you can do is you can leave us a five-star review on apple podcast spotify or anywhere that you get your podcast we appreciate it so much we are uh coming upon the season of giving the season of thanks (laughs) um and uh patrick and i want to say thank you to everybody who has left us a five-star review. Yes. And um, if you would leave us a five-star review on the Say thanks to everyone who has given us a five-star review of giving and thanks. Yes, Yes. that's right. That's right. If you leave us a five-star review on the U.S. Apple Podcast Store. Give us. We're keeping the language consistent. <laughs> you, uh, we'll give you a shout-out on the show. We'll thank you by giving you a <laughs> shout-out on the show. Uh, and if you would leave us a review anywhere else, we can't see it, but we 
want to thank you no less, but we need you to tell us that you've done it. So send us an email, hit us up on Twitter, let us know. We appreciate it so much when you do. It helps people find the show. Patrick and I love reading your reviews. And really, any way that you can share the show at all, we appreciate it so much. Helps us out tremendously. Um, And then here's something that you can do to help yourself out tremendously. Get in our Discord. We are in there having fun conversations about Nintendo stuff, what we've been playing, uh, how we get together and play Splatoon together, all of this great stuff. Uh, You do need an invitation to join the Discord. It is invite only, so email us or hit us up on Twitter or any way that you can contact us. Uh, We will send you that invite. All right, Mark, are you ready to get into what we've been playing this week? Yeah, let's do it. So I have been playing Persona 5 Royal, and I'm a few... I have also been playing Persona 5 Royal. Okay. So I think we're not going to really, like, spoil anything, and if we do... Or are we going to? What's the, what are we, How are we going to talk about Persona 5 Royal? We I, haven't talked about this at all. No, we have not. Was, we are hashing this out on mic in real time. Um, I am one hour into Persona 5 Royal. Oh, okay. Royal. I'm a little further than that. Okay. Um, I, do, I, I am not worried about spoilers, uh, and I think... Well, I don't know. I don't know. What, what, what do you think? Do you, do you want to just like free for all, freewheeling? We're just talking about our experience with the game? Or? Well, I uh, at least for now, let's see how far we can get without getting into like specifics. Sure. Like specific spoilers. Yeah. And then if we reach a point where we do need to, because by, you know, like I was pretty freely spoiling, spoiling. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Uh, Spoiling. Uh huh. <laughs> Dragon Quest 11X. S Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch. Right, that's like riding a bike. Yes. Like, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. No, I think I think this these are different, a little bit different rules. Uh, and if if we need to break that to really be like, here's a narrative, a point in the story that I wish to discuss, then we will broadcast it. Otherwise, consider this like light spoilers for the experience of playing. Yeah, Persona 5 that's a great role. way to put yeah. it. So, um, one thing I will say. So I'm I'm enjoying it. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I am realize I'm beginning to realize how long of an experience it is going to be, which I'm kind of into. I think there are games coming out through the end of the year that I'm interested in, but I could see myself sinking a lot of time into Persona Five Royal. Um, I I know that it's I guess one of like the hooks of the Persona series, but this is my first time really experiencing it. Is how bleak the worldview. I would say is, you know, yes. Um, it does not have a very high opinion of uh, humans, of humans <laughs> and society, right? And their treatment to each other. Yeah, which is, you know, like it's really, it's, it's interesting. And the other thing is that I think this is an addition to Royal, is that you can kind of you can fast forward through cutscenes, mm-hmm. which I am really grateful for. In some instances, because in the beginning of the game, you have to get through this, like, part of it where the characters just can't, they don't understand what's happening to them. They can't believe their eyes where it's like, but how can this palace be here? This is our school. I don't get it. And some of these conversations go on forever. Right. Because you, as the player playing a video game that's (laughs) anime as all get out are ready to accept this. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You don't need convincing. No. And so to be like this far ahead of the game, you know, uh, versus where the characters are narratively gets a little old, especially when um, they can talk about it a lot. And so being able to just like fast forward through those parts and just be like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I get it. You can't believe your eyes. What is this mysterious app doing on your phone? But about like... Oh, did you think you deleted that app? <laughs> and guess what? You're going to talk about this like four more times before to, to yourself. you accept You're going to talk to yourself about uh, deleting this app over so and over again. So for that part, if nothing else, I'm uh, happy for the quality of life improvements <laughs> that apparently were part of Royal. But yeah, like I'm... I. So how, how far are you into it, would you say, at this point? I would say I'm maybe like three and a half hours. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, have you finished that first dungeon palace thing? Yeah. Okay. Well, kind of, sure, I guess okay. is, what, is what I'll say. Um, but, yeah, like, I am excited to see where it goes. 
Um, I, I had finished that uh, first dungeon, palace, whatever, fought the boss in it back when I played the original release. I remember that. Persona 5. Um, but that's about where I tapped out. I'm still way before that at this point. I've not, I've only gone to school to check in and meet the teacher. Oh, okay. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, and it's, it's uh, nuts to me that that's an hour of, of gameplay and I'm like not really done. I've not really played the game yet, uh, as far as I can tell. Um, and it's just, the the thing that you mentioned about uh, th- having conversations that like just go on for too long, um, it makes me wonder why there is this like thing that appears in video games, maybe specifically RPGs and maybe specifically JRPGs, where um, like if you were reading or watching anything in any other medium, most of the dialogue would be cut. That they would be like, we don't need this, we don't need this. You can understand that like. Why is this character repeating that line to himself about not? It's not even like a a gameplay hint for you to like remember. You gotta do this, um, and so I just don't know why all that stuff survives. Uh, like through, uh, th- there must be multiple drafts of these things as they're writing like the the scripts. I just I just don't get it. But I think you're right. I think maybe it is like a legacy video game thing. Yes, be- and that has just been like inherited. And it's just part of like what how a video game story is told or something because yeah like there are these weird remnants uh and not just in like narrative but in the way you know you boot up a video game and there's a you see this where it's like you know do you want to save to create a save file on your system and it's like well if I want to play the game I have to do this so why right, are you asking right. me like just do it but. We've been asking that since the 90s. Right. And so we just continue to treat it that way, right. apparently. Right. You know what I mean? It, that It does feel very similar with the narrative where it's like, this is just kind of like the cruft that comes with it being a video game story. Yeah. yeah. And I guess I just want to know like how much long. And obviously some games have like solved for this, right? Like, um, or just like, uh, you know, the, the things coming out of like Sony first party at the moment are pretty good at like eliminating that sort of like startup experience, um, and, you know, like presenting you with like, uh, accessibility options right away. And then like just kind of cutting out some of the fat, uh, especially like in dialogue, like if you look at the God of War, or, like last of us or whatever, that they're really good at just like, here are the things you act absolutely like need to do here are the things you absolutely need to experience to get this narrative um whereas like i'm walking down this alley uh to you know meet my caretaker for it for the first time and they're just like people i can talk to and they're just like they're just like saying nothing you know but like i can have a dumb conversation with them because that's what you do in an rpg (laughs) you walk up to a person you push the talk button and they they say something about like oh yeah their dog is meaner today than normal (laughs) The other thing that's been interesting is I played Tokyo Mirage Sessions two years ago. Sharp F E Encore. Sharp F E Encore, that's right. <laughs> this is not a Dragon Quest S Echoes no, of Elusive Age definitive edition <laughs> for the Nintendo Switch situation. I refuse to you're do right, that for right, two right. games. You're right. Uh, I played Tokyo Mirage Sessions, Sharp F E <laughs> uh, Encore Edition when it released on Switch. Yeah. And or actually afterwards, but you get it. Like, right. the Switch version of it. But you could only play it after it released. Yeah. <laughs> Without playing... Well, I didn't play it on Wii U. Yeah. But on, like, the Persona... I played it having experienced Three Houses, so kind of understanding the connections to Fire Emblem, but without playing a Persona game. So I did not really understand the connections or the things that it took from Persona. And it is interesting playing Persona 5 and now reflecting back on my experience with Tokyo Mirage Mm. Sessions and beginning to see, and it's not like super overt, but you know, some of the way that the, uh, the um, like, this is not a spoiler, but in Persona 5, you get like a phone and friends will like text you and the narrative is advanced sometimes that way. And that is a, a mechanic in, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, even some of the ways that they treat NPCs and, like, the visual presentation of NPCs, it's not identical to Persona 5 and Tokyo Mirage Sessions, but they do have this same sort of, like, when you're getting on the train to go to school in Persona 5, yeah. and there are, like, characters who are fully rendered, but for the most part, the crowd is rendered kind of, like, in a different, yeah, less, this like, like kind detail of faceless, sort of way, yeah. and uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions does something very similar. So that part of it is interesting as well. Also, I feel like Tokyo Mirage Sessions and having just played not that long ago Dragon Quest XI S Echoes of Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch, I am 
I sometimes get really impatient in the beginning of RPGs. Yeah. Be, well, I just talked about like fast forwarding through all this dialogue. So I'm just like, I just want to like get into it. I want to get to the part where I know the systems and stuff like that. But having, I'm now able to reflect back on those and being like, okay, it's going to take me, you know, like 10 hours before I really know what's going on in this game or even beginning to feel comfortable with the systems. Right. And so just allowing my myself that like bit of grace with Persona 5 and just be like, this is a long game and I'm just, Barely in the beginning of it. Right. And just kind of being like, I have to submit myself to a full season's worth of television. Uh, like that amount of investment before you can start to like play the game, uh, which can be, I don't know. I'm, I'm still in the mode where like, I'm finding that a little frustrating. Um, but uh, I, I've so far my, my hour long, my hour of play has been two half hour play sessions, um, which like at the speed that it is going is about just like what I like. I don't really want to play more than that at, at, at one time. And I'm certain that when I clear that barrier and I'm actually like invested in what's happening and in like the, the gameplay of it, that I'll, I'll want to play more. Um, but I'm not, I'm not going to like force it. I'm just going to like keep it around, keep it in the rotation um, and just hope that I break through that barrier. It does make me, cause I've heard and this, could be wrong. I didn't look it up on, you know, like time to play or anything like that. But that Royal with its additional content is like can be like a hundred and fifty hour game. Right. And uh it makes me so sympathetic to game reviewers. <laughs> Where cause I was thinking it's like if if playing Persona 5 Royal was my full time job and I did that for 80 hours a week, it would still take me multiple weeks to yeah. see the end of this game you know what i mean well and if you're working 80 hours a week at your full-time job you're working twice as much as you should be oh you're right 40 <laughs> hours yeah it's just it's just insane yeah i mean that 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 would be essentially a month of work yeah um yeah no it's it, it's nuts no one should have to subject themselves to that um but i'm glad that we're both playing persona 5 royal i'm sure we will have more to say about it as we go mark you know i've been playing shovel knight dig you know, I finished Shovel Knight Dig. I got to the end. I cleared it. I've done that a couple times now. I don't know how to stop playing Shovel Knight Dig. I'm I, enjoying myself. I think, like, roguelikes are your thing. Roguelikes are my thing, but Shovel Knight is also my mm. thing. Because I booted up the old treasure trove, uh, and I was like, I want more of this. Give me more Shovel Knight. Um, so I started a new playthrough of Shovel Knight, like the main campaign, Shovel of Hope. Um, and I messed around a little bit with Shovel Knight Showdown, which you and I uh, played a, a little bit when it came out. Just the fighting game? Yeah, that's like the 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 sort of like platform fighter, um, which really does feel more like a mode that would have been in like an NES game that like uh, was the secret thing that like elevated some like weird X Men game into being. I, I I have like a vague memory of there being a like Captain America game that had a like sort of fighting mechanic like that where you could select and, you know, pit Captain America versus Hawkeye or whatever. Um, and then you'd be like, this is actually the reason to play the game. Uh, and it's one of the least compelling parts of the uh, Shovel Knight um, treasure trove. Um, but okay. So the, the, the way Shovel Knight Showdown works is, uh, or the, the way the story mode works is you pick one of the characters and then it, you know, matches you up in like 10 different uh, matches. And the first one is like one-on-one -on -one uh, where you're trying to, it's the first person to get five gems wins, right? Um, and so, like, if you collect a gem, uh, but you get killed, then, like, you lose the gem, and, like, you can, uh, you know, th your opponent can steal it from you, uh, and, and all of that, right? So some of them are uh, first to however many gems, some of them are, like, last man standing wins, um, but there's one, like, rule set that you encounter in every time you do story mode, which is, uh, it's called winner take all, and it's when uh, a character is killed, they lose all the all their gems. And so, like, and it, and it's I think it's first to twelve wins, uh, and it takes a while to collect gems. So, like, it takes a while to do this. Um, and if you're collecting them, if you've got like ten, and then you get killed, which is totally possible because it's a four person free for all, right? Um, then ten gems fly out of you. And if that happens, if that happens to happen near the end of like the, the timer, well, you're just going to lose the match. Um, so like, I, I think the rest of the game is pretty well balanced, pretty interesting. Um, but like that style feels totally up to like luck of like, 
what position are you in as the timer is like counting down? Are you, uh, have you got someone else on the ropes who's been collecting them for a while and you can kill them and collect eight gems all at once? Um, great for you. Otherwise, uh, you're probably not going to win. It's just, it's, it's so, it's so strange to me the way that they've got that, that little bit balanced. Um, but all of this is just a, a long-winded way of me saying that I'm playing as much Shovel Knight as is humanly possible <laughs> at the moment. Are, are you playing Showdown online? Mm -mm. No, I'm just doing the, the story modes oh, right now. Oh, story mode. I'm right. sorry. Yeah. Um, and the, the reason I'm, I'm doing the story, this, there are a bunch of characters in the game um, in addition to the like eight or nine that it starts you with. Um, and you and I unlocked maybe two of them just through the course of like play with each other. Um, but there are a bunch of them that unlock through playing the story mode. And I was like, I want to unlock the rest of these characters in case I ever like have people over and want to play Shovel Knight. I want to have all the characters, right? Um, and uh, like one of the one of the win conditions for one of them is beat story mode without continuing. And like, it means I, I can get up to that one where it's oh, the free for all. And then it's like, this is going to decide whether I keep playing or not. <laughs> It's really a bummer to have to have to continue on one of those. Um, I actually don't know if you can do Shovel Knight Showdown online. You, you, you must be able to, right? Yeah, I guess I don't know. I just assumed it being like a brawler fighting game, like free-for-all type thing that it would have online. But maybe it uh, takes its retro roots to heart. May maybe it takes its retro roots to heart. Um, all right, Mark. Those are the games that we've been playing. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. Today, November 1st, Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker Saga Galactic Edition. Galactic Edition. Is released digitally, which I believe has all of the like DLC and character packs. For the first season of okay. it. Um, they're doing more on top of this. Um, and uh, again, uh, weird sort of rubs me the wrong way that this game has been out less than a year and they're already like uh, pushing like a new uh, release. For, I don't know. I don't know. I feel a little cheated by having spent $60 on this like not that long ago. Uh, again, part of the reason why I'm waiting for uh, Mario Plus I know. Rabbids. I was going to say, is this growth for us? Are we... This might be growth <laughs> for us. <laughs> And then on tomorrow, Wednesday, November 2nd, Doraemon Story of Seasons, Friends of the Great Kingdom is released on Switch. Which uh, we're really just bringing, up, bringing it up here to follow up on the uh, Nintendo Direct from a couple weeks ago, uh, or a month ago, however long ago it was, um, that was all full of farming games. Those farming games, look, they planted them then, they are now being harvested, okay? That's right. So Do Doraemon Story of Seasons, uh, we, we saw it a couple weeks ago, it is now coming out on Switch. Are they being harvested? We'll get to it. We'll, we'll get, get to, to it. it. Don't get ahead and, of yourself, Mark. And then on Thursday, November 3rd, Runbox Run is released on the Switch eShop. Runbox Run. Okay, so this one caught my eye because I was like, is this a Box Boy game? Because it looks like that's the it format. Sounds like it could be. It should. It's missing a couple exclamation points. But uh, otherwise, it looks like a Box Boy title. No, it is not a Box Boy game. It is, however, a game from uh, Atui, which is the uh, studio or like collective of developers that did... Um, the uh, Mutant Muds games, um, and the, uh, what is the name of that game? Uh, Hatch Tales. Um, do you remember this? It was a, a uh, uh, you play as like a little chick and a worm. Um, it was on, like, it was a late era 3DS game uh, that had a like level creator and like sort of a robust um, community of people like making levels for it. Do you remember this thing? I do, yeah. Um, and I was like, let's check this out. Let's see, let's see what, look, it's, uh, it's from the, uh, a developer that I trust. Um, and it is a, like, up to 13 players online party chase platformer. So, like, uh, you all play as little boxes in little obstacle courses that look an awful lot like the Box Boy uh, levels without the, like, uh, self-reproduction uh, aspects. And you're just racing the other players to the end of the level. Um, and like collecting little gems along the way. Um, it's a $5 game. It looks like it'd be fun. Um, I don't know. I'm, I, I run box run on my radar. Oh, uh, that does sound fun. And then on Friday, November 4th, Harvestella. There we go. Is released on Switch. And also It Takes Two is released digitally on Switch. Um, what of the, these games that we've mentioned here are of interest to you, Mark? I think It Takes Two, because it's a co-op game, which I always like. 
and it got such rave reviews on on its release on previous platforms. Uh, I'm excited for it to come to Switch. Um, any of these farming games? Uh, I, I know you're a farming fan. Yeah, I don't... Fan of farming. I don't think so, but um, yeah, I don't think so. All right, all right. Um, I am also interested in, uh, in It Takes Two. <clears throat> Look forward to playing it with you, as I'm sure uh, we will. Uh, and obviously, Runbox Run is uh, something that I'm interested in. And I'll be skipping the, har- the farming games <laughs> altogether. All right, Mark, let's get out of the new releases. Which brings us to a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433 where a performer or group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, gone are the days where we administer uh, quizzes to each other um, that are Halloween related. Because um, we have exercised that season, a young priest and an old priest. We are now ranking the Disney villains from the 1990s. Yeah, so let's uh, run them down real quick. Sure. We have McLeach from The Rescuers Down Under. We've got Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. Jafar from Aladdin. Scar from The Lion King. Governor Ratcliffe from Pocahontas. Frollo from Hunchback. Uh, Hades from Hercules. Shun Yu from Mulan. And then Clayton from Tarzan. Okay, so just to clarify, we're not incorporating anything that is retroactively become Disney in the meantime. That's right. Pixar, not in there. Darth Maul, not eligible. (laughs) Darth Maul, not eligible. (laughs) That's right. Just their Magneto, no. uh Just the Disney... That might have been 2000. The the villains from the Disney Mm -hmm. like uh, animated films. Right. Theatrically released, um, not created by like Toon Studios, so no Goofy movie, right? Nothing right, right. like that. Yeah. Okay. Where and like adolescence would be the villain of a Goofy movie? Ooh, probably. Yeah. Uh, or, or from the uh, actually, what year was the Ducktales movie, The Treasure of the Lost? So Land? I, it might have been 1990. Okay. But all right. yes, also falls. Also falls. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. does not count. Uh-huh. Um, do you have any? So for for me, early favorites here, uh, gotta be. Jafar, gotta be Scar, and gotta be Gaston. Yeah, I feel like those are definitely they're top tier. Definitely the strongest. Uh, Hades is funny, but not very, not a very good like villain. I'll tell you when. Also, James Woods. (laughs) Oh yeah, great point. We gotta worry about that. (laughs) Yeah, need we say more? Um, uh, Frollo is like really gross. Frollo's really gross. I had to double check when I saw this list that that character's name is Frollo. <laughs> uh, it makes me think that he's like Olaf's cousin or something. Has like the darkest <laughs> yes. villain song uh, in any Disney movie, I would say. But not but, like. But Shun Yu is also too dark to have a song. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, f- from Mulan. Like... And Clayton d- didn't get a Phil Collins song. So. Clayton's probably low. Well, and we all know the real villain of Tarzan is Turk, of course. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and then Governor Ratcliffe, not really memorable. Um, so, yeah, I feel like in McLeach, uh, I I had to look up. Yeah, the... well, and I, I also, like, I kind of want to throw out Rescuers Down Under, because, like, Rescuers Down Under is borderline a direct-to-video uh Disney sequel that got a theatrical release. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. I actually think it's pretty ambitious. Like, uh, uh, and it looks really good, especially that opening sequence. I don't know if you remember where they're it, but flying like, in and where like uh, it o- it opens on like. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess we'll never know. I guess we'll never know. I guess. Uh, we, were <laughs> we were accompanied today by the Berliner Philharmoniker. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. No. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. Octopath Traveler 2 is set for release in February of next year, which for, let's just, I totally forgot about this. Yeah, I keep forgetting about this game, yeah. Um, and I've, in it comes out so soon. Like, it's really not that far from now. It's just so interesting to, like, uh, like just in, in terms of, like, our awareness and, like, 
just remembering what Octopath 1 represented for the Switch um, and then therefore like for this show, right? That it was something that we were anticipating. We were uh, in our early discussions of like, what characters should they add to Smash? I think we both had uh, Octopath characters in there. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just like th- this one, it's not coming just to Switch. It's coming out uh, multi-platform. Um, so like, it just feels a little bit less... I don't know, like yeah. uh, hyper relevant to the Nintendo community. I agree, and like less impactful. Yeah, because you're you're right. I mean, I remember that January kind of like Switch blowout uh, a couple of months before it was released, and that's the first time we knew or saw anything about like Octopath Traveler, and it looked so new, it well, seemed so new, and that's the first time that we saw anything that was HD two D. Right? Yeah. No. Absolutely. So that that may be the, the the crux there because multiple HD two D games have come out since then. I say multiple, but maybe only two others. No, you've had Bravely Default 2. Not you've HD2D. Had... Yeah, it is. It was built on the same engine, I think. Oh, but it no, doesn't, it doesn't right. look the same. It, you're right, yeah, you're right. It's... So Project Triangle Strategy, for sure. Right, and which then... is just Triangle Strategy. Uh-huh. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. You're right. And, and then Live Alive. And then Live Alive, yeah. yeah. And now this one. Um, but you're right, because, yeah, especially in those early days of Switch, any game was big news. Yeah, that's, you know, that's do you know true. what I mean? Yeah, and like yeah, when yeah. Octopath Traveler hit, like the the release schedule was not what it is now, where it's like there. It feels like there's always so many games being yes. released. Um, but all this is to say, Octopath Traveler Two is releasing this February, and as we get closer, uh, like the press is beginning to pick up for it, and we're getting more details on the game. And in a recent interview with Famitsu producer. Masasi Takahashi and director Keisuke Miyochi recently gave an interview that hit on some improvements uh, for the second game compared to the first game. And this is all as translated by Nintendo Everything. So the question is, it's been revealed that a new feature of this game is cross stories between protagonists. What led to this addition? And Miyochi responds, We received a lot of feedback from players of the first game saying, we want to see dialogue between protagonists beyond travel banter. We thought the same while playing the first game, and adding dialogue would make people fall in love with the characters more. So we put that into this game. This is huge. Yeah. Um, because there is a weird thing that happens in the original Octopath Traveler where uh, the characters can talk to each other through these like optional conversations that you like force them to engage with. Very uh, like Fire Emblem style, right? Um, Uh, except without building relationships. Um, But then otherwise, when you're in one character's story, it seems like they're the only one experiencing that story. Everyone else is just like a passenger in it. Um, And this sounds like, or at least I hope it, it, does it sound to you like that's changing that or it's just having the other characters speak during those stories? I I don't know for sure, but kind of like following up on that, the next question from, from Itsu was, is the main story going to advance in chapters like the last game? And Takahashi responds, yes, but it's not like the last game, which had four chapters made up of every character's story. Sorry, you'll have to wait for later reports for more details, but we've worked hard to make it so you experience a completely different story for each character. So, hmm. I yeah, so I don't know exactly. I said, you know, we will obviously learn more in the future, but I do think this is encouraging because it was one of the, I would like, lesser parts of the first game yeah. was how each character story would advance, but it was just that character story. And even if it doesn't turn out that it's like fully fledged where, where all the characters are experiencing it. And that may be complicated to do because you can get party members right, in, in any order. order. This at least sounds like a step in the right direction. Um, It's that's, it's such an interesting answer. Do the stories advance in, ch- in chapters? Yes, but it's not like the last game, which had four chapters made up of every character's story. Sorry. You'll have to wait for more details. So, like, I I, I do wonder if there's, like, a, an aspect of, like, um, you know, every every character has, like, a first chapter, and then there are no solo second chapters. It's all, like, now this character and this character together, here's their chapter two these two characters here's their chapter two oh, you wow. know what i mean um 
and that's just uh, a way to go uh, go through it. Um, but like, I feel like that could be a more rewarding way to, because you you can't leave any of the characters behind. You have to get all eight of them. Um, so as soon as you've done first chapters, then they may as well start pairing them up or having three of them intersect or whatever. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, that's really interesting. I this is kind of like the first thing that has me oh like a little more intrigued about yeah, what Octopath yeah. Traveler two holds. Uh, also, you know, you mentioned that January Switch reveal way back in 2017 when we saw HD2D and we saw Octopath Traveler for the first time. We hadn't really seen anything like that. Uh, in the interview, they talk about the updated HD2D art style for the game that they referred to as Super HD2D. <laughs> so Famitsu says, uh, we talked about HD2D a bit earlier, so I'd like to ask about the graphics in detail. When you say pixel art with higher density and size, I am reminded of Super Nintendo games released late in the console's life. Would this game's graphics be similar to Chrono Trigger's, for example? Which feels, feels like a very leading the witness yeah, totally. type of question. But the response is, yes! Last time we had in mind an inclusive nostalgia that many people hold on to, but we thought that and but we thought that would not much would we thought that not much would change if we used the same method again. We needed to expand the scope this time by envisioning the beautiful pixel art scenery they drew back then, the trial scenes in Chrono Trigger, for example. We aim to raise the bar of expressiveness with HD2D by making art that would be picture perfect no matter when you screenshotted it. They also talk about having more uh, variety in camera angles than like the persistent top-down view yes. from the first game. And I admit, like when I saw the Octopath Traveler 2 trailer, it, I did not clock that it looked any different from oh, the yeah. original Octopath Traveler. But then, like going back and lo uh, looking at them side by side, you're like, oh yeah, I. There is a difference for sure. Yeah, and it, it's cool to see them like sort of uh, take these steps too, because like there's something very, um, you know, two D in a three D space, like something very like Paper Mario about um, what HD two D can do, um, and uh, you know, obviously they weren't like trying to push that in any weird directions with the original Octopath, um, and then not at all with uh, Live Alive, because those are both games that are like. One is literally trying to recreate uh, a, a game that was overhead and in 2D. And then the other one is like trying to uh, emulate that feel. Um, so it's just kind of neat that like now they can take what the platform can do and uh, like really push it into, um, you know, unique camera motions and uh, unique perspectives um, that aren't the exact same things that you've seen uh, in the actual like normal 2D. You know, you think about. Um, how that's applied to uh, triangle strategy. And, you know, it's all on that uh, sort of um, like diagonal grid. Uh, and, you know, that's because that's how tactics games, especially from uh, Square Enix, that was the perspective on them. But like, it doesn't need to be, you know? Um, so it's it's cool that like this with Octo 2, that like that's where they're um, starting to take those chances and uh, really see what the graphical style can actually deliver. Is it just me, or does it feel like there's, like, a real Nintendo 64 moment mm, happening right now? I think there might be. The company Cubite Interactive has announced they're bringing N64 platformer Glover to Switch, PlayStation, and Xbox in sometime in the future. So, earlier this year, Limited Run Games announced a re-release of uh, Glover on N64 carts. And the game was released on Steam earlier this year, but now it's coming to consoles. So maybe it's not so much an N64 renaissance as it is a Glover renaissance. But we are in the midst of Nintendo 64 games coming to the Switch on the Nintendo 64 Switch Online, uh, Nintendo Switch Online, uh, whatever. That, <laughs> I was going to say app, but that's not right. Um, but so that that library is like getting new relevance. Um and, you know, I have a new Nintendo 64 controller in my house. I know you do as well um, because they're selling them again for for use with the uh, with the Switch. I don't know. It does feel like there is a, a real moment happening, and especially when, you know, coupled with um, the GoldenEye that we know it's going to come to uh, both the Switch and the uh, Xbox platforms. Like, yeah, it, seem, it seems like it's relevant. Do you, have you ever played Glover before? No. Nah. Yeah, me either. I think it's pretty well regarded, and 
uh, on while I'm working, I listen to quite a few like uh, a lot of video game music, and on some of the like N64 mixes, there are tracks from Glover in it, and it's pretty good. Yeah. So I don't know. I I wish for me personally, selfishly, that this was coming to the Nintendo Switch Online right. instead of having to pay for it separately. Do you think we'll be able to use our Nintendo 64 controllers on it? Ooh, that would be cool. No that reason be we cool. can't, right? Because can't you play any game with a theory with like an N64 controller oh, on I don't Switch? think so. I, it I, just won't like work because there's not the right buttons right, to map to right. it. Um, I don't. I don't know. I I, I think there's. Uh, it's a good question, actually. We should try uh, seeing how many games we could play with the Nintendo 64 controller. Uh, but I certainly hope so. It, it would be fitting if you uh, would were able to. Yeah, which is what makes me think that you can't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last week was a busy week for Splatoon 3 patches. On Tuesday, version 1.2.0 was released that included support for the new Splatoon 3 Amiibo, plus quality of life improvements like quicker data transfer between players, the ability to more easily back out of lobbies when playing alone, and a lot of bug fixes and adjustments. The Splatoon 3 Amiibo are not out yet. They just patched in the functionality to uh, interact with them? Yes. Okay. So I guess like in preparation for their release. Right, because they come out on the 11th, I believe. Okay, so a little bit later this month. And then... So that was release was on Tuesday. Then just one day later, on the 26th, Rainmaker was temporarily pulled from rotation in Anarchy Battle due to a bug introduced in the previous day's update that could cause the score counter to immediately go to one when touching a checkpoint. Mm. So then on Friday, version 1.2.1 was released that fixed Rainmaker and returned it to the ro- returned it to the game, plus a bug fix for an issue with super jumping. So. They're still in the, like, figuring the game out, uh, making sure that it's working and and functioning and uh, has got all of the the bells and whistles that we expect. Um, This uh, prepping it for the Splatoon 3 Amiibo functionality is interesting to me. Uh, I I don't... Why didn't it launch with that? I don't... uh, Maybe no no reason to have it in if the Amiibo were coming later, right? You have to, like, prioritize... I I guess you do have to prioritize. prioritize That's a good point. point. Process, probably, would be my guess anyways. Um, at the Wall Street Journal's Tech Live conference last week, Microsoft Gaming CEO Phil Spencer, uh, not the murderer, spoke a little about the company's pending takeover of Activision Blizzard. Related to Nintendo, Spencer says, quote, Call of Duty specifically will be available on PlayStation. I'd love to see it on Switch. I'd love to see the game playable on many different screens. Our intent is to treat Call of Duty like Minecraft. Uh, interesting. Hasn't there been like a whole kerfuffle about uh uh call of duty uh, appearing on uh playstation platforms yeah and so and especially I, internationally yes yeah, so yeah. uh some countries have already approved the merger but i believe it's the uk are is moving to like a stage two review which is like a more in-depth review of it and i believe that in sony's kind of like sub- submission to uh whatever the moderating authority is in yeah. the uk that they specifically called out Call of Duty as kind of like this monolith in gaming that that really, in Sony's view, has no competitors and that Microsoft owning would be detrimental to like many platforms, including their own. Right. But this sounds like it's uh, Phil Spencer saying, we want Call of Duty to continue to be multi-platform and available to people playing anywhere for the foreseeable future. And then talking about the merger in general, so this is not specific to Call of Duty, he also said, quote, this opportunity is really about mobile for us. When you think about 3 billion people playing video games, there's only about 200 million households on console. So I will, so I have been very skeptical of this merger and I remain to be, you know, I remain very skeptical of any large consolidation like yeah this. skeptical slash like suspicious of it. yes like, like dis- suspicious. distrusting yeah yeah but i will say that um like microsoft has treated minecraft like its own platform and it is available on like True. every platform ever i will also say that you know like uh spencer is correct that really like if you look at the market for home consoles like especially like PlayStation and Xbox, 
it hasn't grown that much. Like the the pie, the amount of right. people playing, like what platform they're playing on shifts around, but it hasn't grown like that much compared to the gaming audience in general, which he calls as 3 billion people playing games versus 200 million households. And I think that's why you've seen other companies, you know, like uh, like Zanga got bought, like all of right. these like mobile focused companies got bought because that is kind of where the growth in gaming is. Cause otherwise you're doing console gaming where it's like, it, they're just getting more expensive to develop for yep. with the same amount of audience. Right. So where does the growth come from? Or a smaller audience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So again, I'm super skeptical about all of this, but they have been, you know, Minecraft has been treated like uh equally on all platforms and he's not wrong about like there being a huge potential for growth in mobile well and uh, you know there's just like a a difference in the sort of xbox philosophy right like they're not all that interested in selling you hardware right um they just want you you know subscribe to game pass especially like on on um uh, on PC or, or or on one of those those platforms, but like if they could get Game Pass on a Switch or a, a place, you know, all these places where the powers that be would never allow it, um, or on phones, um, then like that's what they would do, right? Like they just want they just want people paying to play their games. They don't really care about where that is, which is a departure from the way both Sony and Nintendo, especially Nintendo operates, right? Like Nintendo has always been like, no, you play your games on the hardware that we're putting out. That's part of like the toy maker that Nintendo uh, like originates from being right. Um, But yeah, like that's not, that's not what Microsoft is interested in. Yeah. And you know, that's a shift that, has seemingly happened in the last few years mm-hmm. and still is going to take some time to see if that's really like the road that they go like fully commit themselves to yeah in the long term but it definitely is that seems to be the strategy now let me ask you does this does the there aren't many times when uh like looking at video games as like one of my you know preferred like habits where i feel like the industry is leaving me behind um but like the microsoft approach and the sort of uh, like subscription service and uh, like the style of games that they offer and the like play it anywhere like that that's so alien to like my experience of gaming um and you know part of that is because i've been a playstation person and a nintendo person for so long um that like you know old habits die hard but like I've had multiple different Xboxes like throughout the generations. Um, I have at various points subscribed to Game Pass and stopped subscribing to Game Pass. Um, I don't know. It just uh, if and you know if, if they go through with the Activision Blizzard merger, that does position them to be like one of the like undisputed industry leaders. Um, and it's just like I don't know. It feels weird to not be. Uh, part of that ecosystem. Yeah, no, I I know what you mean because it is a very different way from like how I have approached games in the past, right? With like dedicated gaming hardware and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Uh, I also feel like Microsoft is, you know, uh, recently, and I don't know if it was at the same conference or somewhere else, but Spencer was talking about how like Game Pass is profitable. Like they're not losing money on Game Pass, according to him, which is surprising to me. Yeah, it's surprising as well. And I, but I, I feel like xbox right now is in this or microsoft gaming whatever you want to call it is in kind of like a they have their foot in both worlds in kind of like an awkward way yes and i think it is going such a it's going to take a a few years longer for them to fully you know like transition to the vision that they have for microsoft gaming which is like you said platform agnostic and almost like xbox maybe becomes like surface products for microsoft where right. you know we feel like this is the best in class place to play these games but you can you know just like we think surface are best in class microsoft like windows products right but, but you, you can, can use the software anywhere exactly yeah. and but i think we're we're not quite there yet you right. know you still have xbox series 1 or xbox series x and s that you know they're uh, still positioned as dedicated gaming consoles. And I think it's just going to take a little bit of time to kind of like for them to 
align it perfectly in this vision. Right. Well, and I mean, all of this is tough because, you know, well, well, you and I uh, sort of pay attention to the uh, gaming industry, like uh, at large, you know, we're a Nintendo podcast and like, you know, that's, that's really where um, like the, the culture of that company are like that. That's really what I'm interested in uh, as far as like the, the news of it. Um, So like, sort of measuring out where all these other players are um, is just like a little bit outside of uh, where I think our expertise lies. Um, even though we are, you know, uh, we're paying attention, right? You know, you're right. We're not, we're not dummies, but <laughs> you know, it's, it's not where we're not as plugged into it as we are with, with Nintendo. Completely agree. Speaking of which, finally, when uh, Apple released iOS 16 in September, it included support for connecting Joy-Con and Switch's Pro Controller through bluetooth to like your ios device now with the release of ios 16.1 the switch's retro controller so the n64 controller the snes controller the nes controller and genesis controllers work as well uh which is very cool there the, we had heard about them being uh the support for them being added to steam not that long ago um and so it's cool that i mean they're, they're just neat controllers right mm-hmm. um and it's uh nice that there is now this unifying technology that is like the the Bluetooth connectivity where it's just like, yeah, just make all the controllers. All controllers should work with all things. Why not? Yeah, I, I personally have never like used a Bluetooth controller to play like a phone game or I, I don't have an Apple TV you know, yeah, to like sure. connect it to or either. But I can totally see the appeal, especially if you have an Apple TV of if you're playing like a retro style game or something to be able to connect yeah. your Bluetooth controller to it. Well, I mean, dig it. Uh, Shovel Knight dig. Uh, is uh, available on Apple Arcade. Like, it's free if you subscribe to Apple Arcade. So now you can sync uh, any Switch controller to it and just play it there instead of uh, paying the, like, $20 for it on on Switch. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, And you should play Shovel Knight Dig (laughs) because it's very good. Um, Mark, I finally got my uh, Super Nintendo controller. So I have now completed the collection of uh, two NES controllers, one Super NES one Nintendo 64 and one Sega Genesis controller. Um, and I have my little like briefcase. So I'm just kind of like digging out the, uh, uh, the, 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 the shapes in the, it, the, the holes in the foam in the shapes of the controllers. Um, and I got to, you got to really dig for the Nintendo 64 controller. Cause it's fat. <laughs> There's like a lot of space that you need to carve out there. Um, but I'm going to have this briefcase that I will then uh, handcuff to my wrist and then take to the airport, and no one will take my controllers from me. Very fun. You'll have to post pictures um, in the Discord, if nothing yes. else, when uh, when you get closer to finishing. I will. Um, all right, Mark, let's get out of the news. That is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Thank you so much for listening. Um, remember, please rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts or any other place where you get your podcasts. If you like the episode, you should share it on Facebook or Twitter or any kind of social network where they allow you to put a link to something. Uh, we appreciate it so much. When you do that, that's the only way uh, new people find the show. Um, so thank you very much. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE. Mitchell on the show is at Card Society. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Anthony DeLuca made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Apipetti. You can get more of his music by going to apipetti.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thank you for listening. <laughs>